for their class of Bible study. I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 8 as we get started. And while you're turning, let me remind you about a couple things. If you don't have the booklet that we're working through, there are copies of this on the back uh, track in the back uh, display over by the track rack, or there are just individual copies that are photocopied right back by the doorway of the auditorium. I remind you that as we go through, the page numbers of those handouts differ from what I'm putting on the screen because those pages that we are duplicating from the handouts are from a first edition. We're working with the second edition. Just to get your minds working with us. Name a type of gun that does not shoot bullets. Water gun? Paintball gun? Grease, grease gun's a good one. It's not up there. What'd you say? Paintball? A staple gun. Okay, that's good one too. It's not up there. Here we go. Paintball was one. My biceps. <laughs> okay, that, not me. Obviously, it's, this isn't me. This is yo, whoever was surveyed. A BB gun, water gun, stun gun, and nail gun was what they had. Name a sport mom hoped their kids never grow up to play. Football? Soccer? Wrestling? <laughs> Ice hockey? Darts? Darts? <laughs> That's just almost a, like cornhole, huh? It's a very vicious sport. What else do you have? Any others? Curling. Curling? <laughs> Here you go. Rugby, soccer, baseball, football, and hockey. Hey, I'm going to give bonus points for this one. This just shocked me that nobody said boxing. Or the MMA, the martial arts. That just seems so brutal in a cage. What was that? Is that a sport? Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, here we go. Out of 60 minutes at work, how many minutes do you actually work? Okay, this is a survey, not you. Don't, no, this isn't true confession. Okay, don't, this, you don't have to confess sin here. Okay. <laughs> what do you think they said? 40? 70? <laughs> Here's, here's what the numbers were. Okay. 10 minutes. 15 minutes. Zero minutes. When I go, it must be a pastor. <laughs> okay, I have no comment on that one. I just can't. Yeah. 60 minutes. 50 minutes, 30 minutes, and most people in this one said 45. Okay. 100 men, if you were dating and saw her only a couple days a week, how many pounds could she put on before you would notice she gained weight? <laughs> 15 pounds, okay? Any others? No comment? Okay, okay. I would, I would hope this is true. 50 pounds. I would hope you would notice. Yeah, I think you would notice that one. Okay. 20 pounds. 15 pounds. Two pounds? One pound? Uh, 10 pounds and then five pounds. Here we go. Okay. We're, we're in a game mode, but let's use the game Jeopardy. Okay. And let's do a little bit of review. Now, when you give your answers, what does Jeopardy require? You have to put it in a question, okay? So I'm giving you the answers. You have to give me the question. Here we go. According to this verse in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it is the will of God for you, even your... What is 
Sanctification. Very good. You guys watch Jeopardy. You got it. It It is a simple definition of sanctification. What is to be set apart? There you go. Excellent. Okay. They are two polar opposites involved of sanctification. What is we are set apart from sin, whatever, and what? And for or to living for God in righteousness. Okay, very good, very good. It is the phase of sanctification that happens one time when somebody is born again and results in them being viewed by God as declared holy and freed from the punishment of sin. There you go. What is positional sanctification? It is the phase of sanctification that lasts from one salvation until they get into heaven, requires effort on their part to live a holy life, results in continuous growth to become more like Christ. What is progressive? Oh, you guys are good. Here we go. It is the phase of sanctification that happens when we arrive in heaven. At that moment, we are finally fully changed so our sin nature no longer bothers us. We only mentioned this last week for the first time. What is... We're, we're dealing with peas, making alliterated. What is perfect? Very good. Perfect sanctification. Okay. They are the main reasons why sanctification is so hard for us to experience on an everyday basis. What is blank, blank, blank? What is sin nature? Society, okay, the world around us. And I did this alliterated as well, just to... And what is the satanic? Oh, yeah. What is the satanic uh, uh, attacks or hordes about us? Okay, here we go. What are some of the most basic and common tools that God uses to bring about sanctification in your life? What is prayer? What is the Bible, God's word? What is trials? Okay. What is other believers in general? And the last one I added, the book didn't have. What is the music aspect? Very good, very good. Woohoo! Okay, you are guys are ready to go for the bonus round. These are a few reasons why we should be concerned about and committed to sanctification taking place in our lives. Again, it wasn't, these were additional to your notes. What is, several different thoughts here. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 was one of them. What is the will of God? Very good. Romans 8 is another one. We are predestinated to be... Okay, what is becoming more like Christ? Becoming conformed to Christ. Then there was this. What is the failure to do so is extremely tragic. Galatians 6, what is that verse? Whatsoever a man... Sows that shall he also reap. Then there is, we owe it to God because we are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body. And the last one that we suggested was this, because we can. Okay, the big question is this. How do we grow in sanctification? And that's in your lesson that we were talking about. If you have a handout, you don't even have this. This is from last week. But sanctification, we said that these are some main key thoughts. Sanctification is a work of God. And we gave you multiple 
different passages to keep in mind that sanctification is by the Spirit of God, through the working of the Spirit of God. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It is something that you cannot produce yourself. It is God producing it in your life. But along with that, the other side of the coin was this. Sanctification requires your participation. And as our book went through, it talked about the idea, although the Holy Spirit is the producer, you must still allow the Lord to work in your life to bring about that sanctification. You need to walk in the Spirit, yield yourselves to as servants of Christ. Therefore, you work out your own salvation. That is the idea of let it come to its completion, its fullness. So you're working with the Spirit of God, okay, to bring it about. Then we said number three, this is sanctification works from the inside out. I think this is one of the most... Uh, pungent statements that we could remember out of this lesson is God wants a change of heart, not just a change of habits. And the reason we said that is can somebody do things that are Christian and not be dedicated to Jesus Christ? Okay, can you live on the outside and still on the inside have a heart that's, that's bent away from God? Well, we look at multiple passages where God said to the Jews, I'm sick and tired of your sacrifices. I don't want them. So summarizing this category, let's, let's just walk through this as a summary. A change of one heart, one's heart will, turn, uh, will in turn bring about successful change in the habits of your life. And we're dealing with that being successful and becoming more like Christ. Every Christian is to have high standard of conduct. True or False. Okay, that's true. We're to have a high standard of conduct. But this high standard of holy conduct can never become a substitute for a holy heart. True or false? That's true, okay? Because we talked about what group of people had a high standard of conduct, but they didn't have a holy heart. Okay, very good. Okay, rather it will be a result of a holy heart. And then we went on this. A holy heart is something God puts into all who believe, but then what he does is he seeks to develop it fully to bring it to full maturity in all believers. And then we made this statement. To go with every believer can help God grow their holy heart by participating in such things as... Okay. Now we just have a variety of thoughts that we can throw up here. Yielding to the Spirit, getting into the Word, getting the Word into us. The Word into us is what? Uh, Thy Word have I that I might not. Okay. Uh, Saying no to our past, surrounding ourselves with godly influences. And then we have this final statement. The holier or the stronger, more mature our heart becomes, the greater will be holiness in our habits. And so it's dealing from the inside out. That's the, this whole idea of progressive sanctification. Uh, now we're into this thought. Sanctification is a process. What we mean by that is this. Okay, this one's got a lot more f- filled in on your notes already. Sanctification is a process ba- based on 2 Corinthians 3. It teaches that we are changed in the image of Christ from glory to glory. And they ask this question in your notes. Okay, what does it mean? It means that progressive sanctification is a process. It is not immediate. Okay, that's a, that's a very important thought. Okay, for you to remember for yourself and for those you are discipling. And if we made the analogy, parenting is complete within one year. Yes or no? Okay, did you ever, as you parent, think it'll never, 
it'll never achieve the ultimate goal of raising them, okay? getting them to think, to be, to be um, consequential in their thinking, to be considerate of others. There was, maybe you didn't have this, but there was moments like, oh my Lord, will they ever stop fighting? Will they ever be other people-centered? And so it's not immediate. Growth in, in parenting isn't immediate. It's a process. And so in our growth in this idea. Now, the reason I bring that up is this is important. And I used this illustration in a message about a year ago because one of our granddaughters, this was her experience. And I had never thought about kids' perspective this way. But she prayed and got saved because she had been told, if you call upon Jesus, you'll be saved from your sin. So she prayed, and then within the next day, she sinned. And in her mind, being saved from sin included what? Not doing it at all anymore. If I ask Jesus to save me, I'll be saved from my sin. I will never disobey again. And when she disobeyed, her immediate thought was, it didn't work. It didn't work. Something's wrong. Did God hear me? And so she didn't understand this idea based on the words. I mean, little kids, you know, the, the, we, we speak in terminology that's sometimes confusing for little kids. You know, uh, we talk about, you know, if you were to die today, and then what's the little kid's response? I'm going to die today. Okay. Um, and so it, it's like, you know, you should call upon Jesus so that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Well, I don't want to die today. So why should I call them on Jesus? And so the, 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 the thought process for kids and what they hear is very interesting for us. But she's not the only one as a, as a little you know, preschooler. Did any of you, did any of you call upon Christ, still struggle, and begin to doubt your salvation? Did anybody else? Okay, several of us had that experience. That just be, we, we, we wanted quicker growth, and we had a higher expectation. And so this whole idea of that as a process is very, very important. Here's a, uh, just uh, an important statement. You will be continually progressing in your Christ-likeness from the moment of your salvation to the moment that Christ calls you home to heaven. It is a process for everyone. Let's see if we can make a comparison. Okay, we've we talked about this before. Okay, you're raising your kids, and we said last week uh, to raise kids, you have to do you do something for them. You give them life. You give them nourishment. But what must they do in order to continue to grow physically? They have to take it in. Okay, so let's talk about that whole process of parenting, and let's kind of come up with this parallels between. Raising kids, growing kids, and growing spiritually. And let's, let's see if you can phrase it this way. Growth is continuous, could be in the blank. What else? There's several blanks here. Okay, inevitable. Okay, it's part of, learning is part of that growth. Anything else? Personal? What do you mean by that? Okay, good, good. Good. Anything else? There, there's so many thoughts here that you could be throwing up. Anything else that comes to mind? Okay. Okay. Daily? Yes, sir.
Okay. Good, good. Any other thoughts? Uh, well, here in this life, in our physical life, do we differ in the way we grow? Okay. Do some people all of a sudden they hit a growth moment at a different age than others hit a growth moment? Okay. Some of us, when we're growing, we grow in different directions. Okay. Some grow up. Some of us, we grow out. Okay. Uh, it varies. Anything else that you would say here? Okay, it's God-caused growth. I mean, both, both of it has to be, be with the Lord. Somebody else? Growth can be painful? That's true. True. Yeah, um, I thought growing pains was a wife's tale. Okay, but then we, we, our boys experienced it where they, they, the doctor explained. It's just, it, it really does happen to some people. You guys had some great answers. Let me fill in some of what you said and some others. It is the norm, is it not? What happens if somebody isn't growing physically? There's something drastically wrong if there isn't growth. Would you agree with that? If your children weren't putting on weight, if your children weren't growing over a period of time, you would get concerned, and what would you do? Oh, well, yeah, you're going you're gonna to get the medical view. Growth is the norm. And yet in the Christian realm, if there isn't growth, sometimes it's excused. But it's normal. Okay, I think that's exactly what some of you had said. It's, it's just it, ha- it takes place. Growth is gradual. Would you agree with that? That most of your kids grew gradually, not, you know, they weren't six foot two at three years of age. Now, there are those rare cases. But yeah, okay. Um, let, let's let's talk about that for a second. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, he, if you didn't hear what Lou said, sometimes growth happens in spurts. Correct? Okay. Um, not only in people, but in nature. Like oak trees, they grow, and then there's a period of time where their growth is just solidification. Does that happen spiritually for people as well at times? It does. It does. All of a sudden, there can be a spurt of growth, and then there's what? There's a leveling off, and there's a, there's a solidifying. Okay? And so that growth, even though it's in a gradual sense, sometimes it, the chart goes like this rather than always like that. In fact, I would suggest this. If we were to chart the typical Christian life, most of us did not do this. Okay? Most of us did what? More like this? Okay? And so growth is a constant, okay, in that sense that it's, it's, it's keeping on in, over time. It varies in time and with the people, and it's a process. You added some other things that were excellent as well, but getting this idea that it brings us to this, this uh, verse. According to this verse, when will God finish working in us? 
Okay, okay. He will be confident of this thing that he which hath begun a good work will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That day of Jesus Christ is going to be the discussion by theologians. What day is that talking about? Uh, some, some folk will say it's the day of the rapture. It's the time that Jesus Christ takes you home. Um, whatever, whatever the specific is, it's day, basically until you meet the Lord... This is going to just take place in your life. It's just going to continue that God's going to keep on growing. Based on the fact that God is continuing his work in us, that should leads us to several conclusions. That it takes time, and over a period of time, it varies within us, but God doesn't, doesn't stop working in us. He works in all of us, so we're all growing, maybe at different paces, but we're all growing. The conclusions are these. Lack of progress is regression. If we're not growing, <clears throat> even in the solidifying factor, if we're not moving forward, which direction are we going? Yeah, and so his point is you must continue to progress towards Christ-likeness. And here, you fill in these, these thoughts. Failure to keep moving forward is what? How would, you, how would you describe this from God's perspective? Failure to keep growing is what? Somebody said sin. Any other thoughts? It's dangerous? Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, means something's wrong here, right? The weeds, the not watering aspect. Anything else comes to mind? Okay, lack of response to the Spirit. Let, let's deal with that second thought. Failure to keep moving forwards is because of who? Let's take it. There's two people that are part of your growth. That are, that are making your growth happen. Obviously it can't happen without God. But who's the other party that's very instrumental in you growing? It's you, okay? So failure to keep moving forwards is because of who? Yeah, it's, it, it falls back on us, okay? With that idea of yielding to the Spirit, um, taking in the Word of God, things of that sort. Okay, let's do a second thought here. Don't expect immediate sanctification especially from others. What is the tendency of most of us? The, the, without reading your notes, okay? What's the tendency of most people? We allow for progressive growth in whose lives? Usually our own lives, but we demand immediate growth in... That's where, mo that's where most of us struggle. Okay, is the tendency to expect progressive, but we want other people to grow quicker, you know, and, and to comply to what we think. Failure, need, this is the third thought in your notes, okay, with this idea that it's a process. Failure does not need to be final. What does that mean by that statement that they put in your notes? You're teaching this, but you've got to understand what it means if you're teaching it to somebody else. What does it mean when you're telling somebody, hey, Growth in your life is a process. You have responsibility. You need to keep on growing. But failure is not final. What's that mean? What's that? Okay, if you make a mistake, you start over. First John 1.9 means what? 
Okay, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to... Okay, okay. So we have opportunity for confession. Somebody, uh, whose hand was out? Ken? Okay. 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 Marsha, you want to add to that? When you feel like a broken vessel, God will still repair you and be useful again. Mm. Mm. Uh, Let's take your first part of that phrase. She said, when you feel like a broken vessel, and then she went on to say, uh, God can still repair it. Let's ask this question. Have any of you ever felt like a broken vessel? Like you really blew it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My heart is encouraged that I'm, I, when I beat myself up. The fact is that even though we can, we can blow it, there is forgiveness. God doesn't usually shelve us. Okay? Um, in fact, we go on, we may still struggle and stumble. The righteous man falls seven times and rises up again. Okay. Can you think of any New Testament? New Testament believers who fell at some point, but they got back up and they grew. Who, where do you think on Peter? Okay, when he denied the Lord. Did he know better? Okay, how did he feel? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what does Christ say to him? How do we know that he's restored? What was that? Okay, okay. What, do you remember one of the cases where there's conversation between he and Jesus afterwards? Okay. Remember at the seashore? Okay, at the seashore, and he asked Peter the question, do you love me? And Peter says, I do, I do, I really, and Jesus does what? He asked him a second quiet time, do you love me more than these? And, G, and the response? Yeah, I, yes, I do. Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And he asks a third time, do you love me? And Peter says, oh, Lord, you know that I, I really like you an awful lot. He, he changes verbs. He changes the wording. He goes from the agapao love to phileo love. And uh, what does that show you about Peter? Part of that whole discussion is, what are these? Do you love me more than you love fish? I, I personally don't think that's the issue. I don't think it's the, that you're willing to give up fishing. What did Peter do a few nights before that three times? Okay, what did he say earlier that evening even though others would deny you and desert you? I will, in other words, I love you more than these. And now when he's asking, Peter's got, the, Peter's got it. Peter's like, Lord, I really, really love you. I love you. I, I like you an awful lot, Lord. Okay, uh, what's he displaying? Yeah. 
growth, humility. It's coming to play. Can you think of anybody else? Any other New Testament believers? Blew it, and yet they grew later. What's that? Onesimus is going to be the illustration that's in your notes. Okay? And, but it's, it's a situation that's true with Onesimus that what happens is Onesimus, he is called in the book of Philemon, he's the slave of Philemon, he had stolen from Philemon and run away, he gets born again, and what does Paul tell me he has to do? You have to go back. And Paul says, he was useless to you, but now he is useful to me. There was a great change that took place in his heart. Um, Can you think of any others? We're going to talk about Onesimus a little bit more in a second. Can you think of anybody else? John Mark was the other one that came to my mind, okay? I had Peter, just like you did, and we already talked about it. Um, We'll come back to Peter in a second. John Mark, where does he show up? Starting to go with Paul and Barnabas on a missions trip. For whatever reason, he leaves. Paul is unhappy with his leaving to the point that when they go on the next missions trip, Paul says, I don't want to take them along. And the contention between Barnabas and Paul becomes so intense over whether or not John Mark should be allowed to go along a second time that they divide. But then later on, what does he write in his last epistle? Send Mark for he is profitable unto me. And so you have a case where he grew. He grew. Paul didn't want to give him a second chance, but he grew. Um, the other one I went, that I put up here is, can you, can you picture who I'm talking about via the pictures? It's Peter. Remember, Peter is told to go and eat in this vision. He's told to eat all this different type of food. And his initial response was, okay, those are unclean animals. I'm not going to eat them. And then God rebuked Peter and said, whatever I call clean, you don't call unclean. And right at that moment, there's a knock at the door. And he comes out of his, his heavenly vision trance, whatever uh, it is and how he comes out of it. There's a knock at the door, and who wants Peter to come to them? Some Gentiles. Okay? Now remember the setting. Jews didn't eat with Gentiles. But Peter has just been told, whatever I call clean, you don't. And he goes and he shares the gospel, they respond. And so Peter is beginning in his heart to realize, hey, Jews and Gentiles now are on the same plane. But later on we read what happened in the book of Galatians. Paul rebukes Peter for something he did. Anybody remember what it was? He separated himself from who? When? When they were eating together as a church fellowship, Peter, he all of a sudden sees some people walking in the door. Do you remember who they are? They are Jewish, Jewish people that are leaders. And he immediately gets up from the table of the Gentiles and he goes and sits with the Jews because of the traditional Jewish concept. And when Paul comes, Paul rebukes him to his face and says, you just, you just stumbled a whole bunch of people. We've been teaching there is no difference, and now you just portray to everybody there's a difference. Okay. Did he grow out of it? I suggest he did, based on what he writes in First Peter later on. Love the Jews. Is that what it says? 
says love who? Okay, it is really simple. It, I, it's up there for you, okay? Love the brotherhood. Finally, be all of one mind, compassion for, okay, all peoples. He's growing. He's growing. He didn't grow immediately in all these areas. And he, basically, his growth is like his heartbeat. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. I am so glad Peter is included in the New Testament stories. Because from Peter, I get hope and help that this is the way that it happens for many of us. Okay, so let's go back to Onesimus. Okay, he once was useless, he's useful. How should the testimony of Onesimus and others like him affect your relationship with others, particularly those who fall into sin or come from a sinful past? What's that? Okay, we're to forgive people who stumble. Anything else? There's a whole bunch here, by the way. Change that Christ produces in us is a real change. It changes everything, mm-hmm. including past relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. The change is great. So what, how does that affect us towards others? We're to be encouraging. Okay. What else do you think? Okay. So we need to have patience with them, okay? Anything else? You're trying to help this new Christian to understand. By the way, you have to, please do this, mark this down. You have to help that new Christian understand growth is a process. No one is perfect yet, including those of us who are older in the Lord. Yes? Is that important for new Christians to understand? Why? Yeah, yeah. As well, what happens if they come in the church and they see one of, one of us blow it? It would never happen here. Okay. But a new Christian gets saved. They're parenting. They're, they're learning how to parent. They hear it taught that you're to be patient and under self-control And then they see somebody who's been saved for 15 years and that somebody sharply, harshly gets mad at their kid in the foyer and lets their kid have it. And that new baby Christian learning parenting rules by the word of God goes and says, does that that happen? Oh, I, I can guarantee you it's happened here. I can think of at least two situations that in, in reflection of going afterwards and trying to help a baby Christian who said, that church is just filled with hypocrites. And I need to find a church where they're perfect. And my thought and my helpful encouragement to them was, <laughs> but does that happen to baby Christians? Did you, let, me, let me rephrase it. Did you ever get disappointed over some saints that you looked up to? Okay, it happens. It happens. Okay, that doesn't excuse what the older saint did, but there is a reality that it happens. 
Okay, so we, we, we want to make sure that we instruct them. Anything else that says, okay, because it's a process in their life and in our life, anything else we want to relate to them? I'm sorry. Oh, oh. Did you hear what she said? We should not only forgive, but we should welcome the stumbler back. Ouch. Does that ever happen in churches that, that, that somebody's not welcome back? If you do a church history study, that was the big issue in the first couple centuries of the church. What do we do with people who fell away? And it was the divisive issue that under persecution some denied Christ. And then they repented and they came back. And it was the big issue. Should we accept them back in? So it's not just in our age. It's been there. So here's some thoughts. We need to be willing to accept them. Does that go with what you said, Deb? Okay. Um, Give them time and friendship. Okay. Do baby Christians, when you were saved, when you were first saved, did you come spit and polish and everything was, all the rough edges were off? Yes, no? Did you come in and say things and do things that were kind of, whoops? Yeah, 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 okay. Okay, so you got to give them time and friendship. Yeah. Um, confront them as to what is right. I, okay, I'll bear my soul for a second. Okay, when I first got saved, I was 16. Some of the things I did at 16 years, years of age obviously did not honor the Lord. The way that we spent our Friday nights running around and doing things was not the way born-again Christians should act. So when I got saved, I knew that I lost all of my unsaved friends, so I wanted new friends. And so the kids from the church, I wanted to do things with them because I needed new friends. So I invited them to go to some of the places that I used to go to. Okay, Because I, the place seemed innocent to me. It didn't seem to me that kids at age 16, because in our community this is the way it was, that kids at age 16, we could go to a bar and we didn't have to drink, but we could play the different arcade games that were located in the bar. That didn't seem to be a problem for me when I was 16 and first saved. But the kids from church, when I said to some of the kids, you want to go with me to Bumpy's Bar? Their reaction was, And, you know, they, they, their reaction was okay. It was a good, it was a good reaction, okay? Um, only one kid went with me the one time, and he wanted to order a drink. And I knew that was wrong, okay? So it was a very confusing time for me to try to figure out and trying to grow through some of those things. And so I needed some people to confront me in a loving, gracious way, even as a teenager. Help them to do what is right, Help them to say, like a couple of kids were very gracious, said, instead of going to Bumpy's Bar, why don't we go here? You know, someplace else that was more wholesome in the environment and help them to, do, to encourage them to grow in the Lord. Pray for them. Okay, those are, those are very simplistic things that we need to make sure we relate to that baby Christian, plus also we need to practice. Sanctification is a process. Here's his last uh, section. Complete sanctification will not be accomplished in this life. How do I know that? Although you are commanded to strive for holiness, do not be so arrogant as to claim you have achieved it. 
Here he takes us, 1 John chapter 1. Okay, we've got to flip over there. 1 John chapter 1. We've been talking about the Bible. Let's talk from the Bible right now. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. You there? Okay, I, I'm not putting the verses up on the wall. 1 John 1, 8. Okay, from this verse, what does this verse, and then verse 10, what do they say? And in between here, in between these two verses is the one that we've quoted a few minutes ago, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. The we is the personal pronoun that is including believers. Okay, what do, do these two verses say about someone who claims to be above sin? Okay. If somebody, you want to say it again kind of a little bit louder? We deceive ourselves. Anything else? We're a liar. Okay. He's very, he's very clear. The truth is not in him. We deceive ourselves. We, we contradict God. We're trying to make God a liar because God has said how many sin. Okay, all. Okay, so it's very, very clear. Make sure you rehearse that. According to chapter 3, verse 2. Flip over a little bit further. Okay. When will we finally become like Christ in character and conduct? When Christ, it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Okay, so when he appears, we shall be like him. In other words, sanctification in your notes says it's a process. Let's add a word up there. It's a long process. Now, with that in mind, okay, let's wrap up here. As a disciple or a discipler, okay, now, now you, we got to think this through. It's not in your notes. How should we better think and train others in light of the fact that sanctification is long-term? What thoughts should we keep in our mind for ourselves as well as rehearse with others that we're teaching with this concept, it's a long process. What would you want to relay to them because it's a long process? Yes, sir. Okay. Amen. So how do you want to make that applicable to them? Patience for who? Okay, no, you're absolutely right. Okay, I'm putting you on the spot by, by countering. You said patience is critical. Patience, they, they need to have patience with themselves, with others. Do we need patience with ourselves? Okay, not excuses, but patience. Anything else that should come to mind? Yeah, Gail, go ahead. Mm-hmm. He loves you and he's there with you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, forgive yourself and Great, great. Yeah, don't live in guilt. Don't live in guilt. Okay. Any other thoughts that you want to share here? What's that? They shouldn't give up. You did? You had moments of wanting to give up? Is he the only one in this room? Okay. Did others of you feel that way at times? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there, Jerry. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, others wanted to give up, but they keep on going. Kevin? Okay. Okay, so your application is we need to be encouraging as well, yes? Okay. I forget that there's people in the balcony at times. I don't even look at you. Any of you have additional thoughts you want to throw on here? That would be helpful, profound. Get voices from above <laughs> to help us. Anybody else want to make comments here? Okay. Oh, okay. It's a marathon, not just a sprint. Here we, you know, that idea that several of you, you've mentioned already is the keeping on. Uh, you, you know, if it's a long-term process, when have we used God's tools enough? When are we done with the tools? Oh, you mean, you mean that because I have a master's and uh, uh, I don't even know what degrees they're, what they're called. It's, even though I have these degrees, I still need to read my Bible? Yes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do not think you know enough or have prayed enough. To me, that is challenging. Okay? Because sometimes we think, I have it all covered. Okay? It is not wise to compare ourselves with others. That's scriptural. Growth varies between people, so I need to recognize that in my life as well as others, that people's experiences in growth will not mirror my experiences in growth. In all faith, it just won't. Therefore, if they don't do exactly what I did, that doesn't mean they're bad. Okay? And then do not think you're above reproach. Thanks so much for your input. We'll pick up here into a new section next week.